0: Frontier Missions Journal, stories of hope for the unreached, with Adventist Frontier Missions. Greetings, friends. Our Frontier Missions story today takes us to the country of Turkey a place where the gospel once thrived as disciples of Jesus spread the good news of salvation shortly after his resurrection. Sadly, today you will only find a handful of Christians in this land of more than 79 million people. Missionaries Ali and Nina Nasser have been serving the Turks since 2012 and today they are going to share with you their insights on how they witnessed to this unreached people. They call this story Effective Witness.
1: Having lived in an Islamic setting for the last seven years, I would like to share a few personal insights into effectively sharing the gospel. I'm not proposing that this is the only way, but this has been my experience. Point number one. Understand their perspective. A. Islam is a total way of life. In the West, we are accustomed to compartmentalizing our personal life from our secular life. For example, we attend church one day, but live the rest of the week devoid of any spirituality. There is a disconnect. We don't want our personal lives to affect our secular lives or vice versa. Well, Islam is not like this. It actually pervades a person's entire experience. As Christians, there is something good we can learn from this. Our experience with Jesus should have a dramatic impact on our entire lives, affecting both our secular life as well as our personal lives. It isn't just a box or something we do. Our love for Jesus should permeate, spill over, and take full possession of all our decisions and actions. In the Islamic world, the same is true. Islam pervades all aspects of life, friendship circles, social networks, education systems, healthcare, legislative procedures, and even politics. It's all inclusive. Understanding that Islam pervades all aspects of life will give us a better worldview of a Muslim's perspective. Point B. People are more important than programs. Relationships on a personal and even secular level are the keystone to understanding a Muslim's worldview. Time is not always of the essence. Relationships are. Often in business dealings, Muslims will ask about one's personal life, such as family, before business negotiations take place. This is because they are measuring you and making a judgment call on how you will relate to others. This will sometimes determine whether this business deal will go through or not. Point C Extended family life is the norm. Because relationships are key, One will find that relatives and family often live in close proximity to one another. For example, uncles and aunties, grandmas and grandpas, cousins, nieces and nephews all live just a few doors apart. For example, if one were to marry a Muslim, he or she would be marrying into the whole family. It's the collective whole, not just the individual. Point number two, personal friendship. Be a real friend. Invest your time. In all your friendships, recognize that if you want to build a deep, meaningful relationship, it's going to require time. Investing your time into somebody means that you care about them. Spending your time with that friend is the best thing you can give them because you are giving them yourself. It may take years before that friendship may blossom, but realize that it may require your time. B. Build a mutual, trusting relationship. As you spend time in that friendship, trust will begin to develop. This will provide an opportunity to be open and vulnerable with each other to share and cultivate a relationship of mutual trust. This will naturally lead to spontaneous opportunities for conversations of spiritual dialogue. See? Don't discuss major points of disagreement until you have a relationship of trust. In other words, don't jump the gun. In due time, conversations about major differences in theological interpretations will take place, but it is best if done within the context of a friendship. They may be more open and honest with you when they know that you are their friend. To illustrate this point, I would like my wife, Nina, to share a special story illustrating personal friendship.
2: My phone rang on a sunny Sunday afternoon. It was Norell. Are you home? I told her we were. She proceeded to tell me that she had bought a violin for Ika and wanted to know if I could take a look at it. We were home, so I told her to stop by anytime. My heart sank when I saw the violin. It was poorly made, and it sounded terrible. But I did my best to remain positive. She had bought the best that she could with the money she had. The quality of the strings was also very poor. Her entire violin was worth the strings on my girls' violins. I began to try to tune the violin as we chatted. I started with the A string. Then I went to the D string. But when I went back to the A string, it was way off again. The task was beginning to seem impossible. New strings do need time to stretch, I know that. But this was beyond that. Fortunately, all the girls were playing together, and Norell got a phone call. In the meantime, I was trying to figure out what to do with this violin. I finally determined that I would have to get it tuned as close as possible to the notes And that was going to have to do. It would have to be good enough. Still, I probably struggled for an hour. I was kicking myself for not helping her to go and buy a violin. I myself don't play the violin, so I have never trusted myself to select a violin, but have always used the advice of experts. Well... Now I realize that I do know something about a good violin. At least I know how to choose one of good quality. However, I also realized that a good violin would be absolutely unaffordable for Narelle to get for her daughter, Ika. I finally got the violin tuned as best I could. I knew that the strings would detune, but did not bother suggesting that they get a tuner it would be impossible for them to tune the violin correctly. Then Narelle began talking with me about teaching her daughter violin. Oh dear, I thought. Previously, Narelle had spoken with our violin teacher while she was attending recitals that she had been to in our home. She had told me that our teacher would not agree to teach Ika, informing Narelle that her price for lessons is too high. While that is partly true, our teacher told me that she does not think that Ika would practice faithfully. So Narelle asked me to teach Ika. How could I say no? She sees that all my girls play and knows that I practice with them. She hopes that her daughter can do the same. My heart was reluctant, but I told her that I would help them get started. After that, she would need to find a real violin teacher, I told her. I reminded her that I do not play the violin. For the last several months, Narelle has been coming with her daughter once a week after school for lessons. I provided them with a notebook to take notes during the lesson and a sticker chart to fill out when they practice. I would say that Ika is making progress, but it is slowed by lack of practice and musical aptitude. For me, it has been very different starting a child at age seven playing the violin instead of age three or four. In spite of the obstacles, I am glad that I have made a commitment to tackle what seems like an impossible task. I have had so many spiritual conversations with Norelle before and after our weekly lessons. While we talk, the girls will either play together or do homework together. One particular day stands out in my mind. Norell called me and told me that they really hadn't practiced much that week. I was sighing inside, but I told her to come anyway. It is helpful to keep routine and consistency of habit for things like violin. When Norell and Ika came, Norell and I sat down for tea and talked for about an hour. It was such an amazing opportunity for spiritual conversation. I prayed while I was speaking to her that the Holy Spirit would give me the words, or open her ears to His speaking as I struggled to explain the conflict between good and evil. At one point, she looked so sad and hopeless, as I explained that we need to accept help from Jesus in order to be saved from sin we cannot be good in and of ourselves, which is what she tries to do. I remember to refer her back to the book, Steps to Christ, that Laura had given her previously after we had tea at Laura's house. I continue to pray for Norrell. I feel so inadequate to reach her spiritually. I know that she is searching. Some of the things she believes— and the way she thinks are so vastly different than me. We have such different worldviews, yet God has allowed our paths to cross. I am reminded now of how I didn't want to commit to giving her daughter violin lessons. But I am now so thankful because it has allowed us to spend more time together and have conversations about God. Please remember to pray for Ika as she practices her violin, and her mother, Narelle, as she is searching for truth in her life.
0: What a beautiful story illustrating how investing time into a relationship, even inconvenient time, brings opportunities to share the gospel. Truly, people are more important than a program or a schedule. So if you would like to add missionaries like the Nasser family to your priorities, either through your prayers or financial gifts, just point your browser to afmonline.org and select the Missionaries tab. You'll be able to learn more about AFM Missionary Families, the organization and its mission, and be able to donate online as well. That's afmonline.org. Well, there's more to the story that Ali Nasser is telling us. He has a few more points on practicing effective witness that he's going to share with you in part two. For now, let's listen to the Nasser family sing a familiar song in the Turkish language. he lives, we can face tomorrow. I'm James R. Kaczynski with Adventist Frontier Missions, wishing you God's blessings.